Our Bible reading this morning uh, comes from Philippians chapter 3. And I want to read from verse 10 to the end of the chapter. So Philippians chapter 3, I'm reading from verse 10 through to the end of the chapter. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have as just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now, tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I'm going to ask that we pray as we ask God to open our eyes and our hearts to his word. Let's, let's pray together. Our loving Father, we thank you that we have your word with us today. We thank you that we can, wherever we happen to be, that we're able to open and read and listen to what you're saying to us. And now we ask that as we, uh, Lord, seek by your grace and enabling to break this bread that you've given us in the word of God, help us, we pray, to understand and to know how that applies to each of our lives. We ask your blessing on our time together as we continue our worship around your word right now. Help us to sit at your feet and listen as we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, once again, just want to say greetings to you all, and it's my privilege to be sharing God's word with you today. We are continuing our series in Paul's letter to the Philippians, and uh, we'll be looking at chapter 3, and uh, mainly from verses 12 to the end of the chapter today. Last week, you may recall that Pastor Darrell led us through the first 11 verses. Now, interestingly, chapter 3 can be divided into uh, three main parts, which I like to do, because I think it helps to explain this a little better. So three parts of, of, of um, Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, which we, have, which we did last week, Paul speaks about regeneration. Verses 12 to 16, Paul speaks about sanctification. And then in verses 70 to 21, Paul speaks about glorification. So again, last week, we saw how Paul spoke about how religious he was 
or once was. And that in that context, how he could boast more than anyone else about all that he was and all that he did for the sake of his own religious beliefs and convictions, thinking that he was serving God by what he was doing in his religion. But then he met Christ. Then he met Christ, who transformed and regenerated his entire life, whereby Paul now considered that previous life as garbage and loss compared to, as he says in verse 8, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And I wonder if that might be your testimony as well this morning, that you're able to say, you know what, absolutely nothing compares to knowing Jesus Christ. Everything that I thought was important once is really rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ as my lord and savior you see again this was mentioned last week you can be sincerely religious and a lot of people are they take their religion very seriously and you can be as sincere as you like but listen you can also be sincerely wrong and lost as paul once was but christ made the difference he made all the difference when Christ confronted Paul, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but he did confront Paul, who was then known as Saul, by the way. Well, then Paul then began to truly live, as you and I do, when we also meet Christ and receive his saving power, his regenerating love that transforms our lives. Then then we begin a life of sanctification as paul speaks about in these next verses from 12 to 16. now sanctification is the work of the holy spirit it's the work of the holy spirit bringing your whole new nature more and more each day under his influences that's really what it means or in other words sanctification is the carrying on to perfection the work that began in regeneration and it extends to every single aspect and dimension of your life in christ it's what paul said and it's what he meant when he said this in in chapter 1 verse 6 of philippians he said being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of christ jesus so it's important also to note that sanctification is not merely a passive gift that God's given us when we came to Christ. But believers in Christ, as one Bible dictionary put it, must live out their lives in a holiness that reflects what they have received. And that is regeneration in Christ. <clears throat> it's what Paul meant when he said in uh, chapter 2 and verse 12 of Philippians, when he said, continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. And then in verse, chapter, verse 12 of chapter 3, we see this progress or this process in action as Paul testifies when he says this, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which 
Christ Jesus took hold of me. You see, his goal, I believe his goal, is to be in that state of perfection, to finally arrive at that place. He speaks about that in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 10. He wants to reach that state of perfection, free from every imperfection in glory with Christ. You won't reach that state of perfection in this, in this life and in this world. But that was Paul's goal, to be like Christ, to stand in his presence and be just like him. And trustfully, that's your and my desire as well. See, Paul said this to the Corinthians in chapter 13 and verse 12. He says this, Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then, notice the now and then. Then we shall see him face to face. He says, Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There's his goal. He says, Now, but then. I have a then. And I wonder if that's your desire. You have a then. Now we, we have this, but then we shall have Christ in all of his fullness and know him fully as we are fully known. And I wonder if you have that longing in your own heart today, that same kind of longing. It reminds me of that scripture in Revelation that says this. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Jesus Christ is saying that to his church. Hang in there. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. I am coming soon. And then it's amen. We say amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, sanctification certainly contains an active component about it as Paul described in verse 12 when he says but I press on I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me I love how he puts that because you know what he's doing as I've mentioned before he's describing his own conversion to Christ on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 when the Lord, in, in, no, in, in no uncertain terms, took hold of him. And you might say knocked him to the ground. It certainly, he cert, the Lord certainly got Paul's attention. And he gave him a brand new goal in his life. No longer to be out persecuting the church and persecuting Christ. But now he was out pursuing for Christ. I like what William, William Barclay says here. He says, every Christian is grasped by Christ for some purpose. And therefore, every Christian should all his or her life press on so that he or she may grasp that purpose for which Christ has grasped you. I like how he puts that. And in order for that to happen, Paul then testifies to the action he continues to pursue. Also bearing in mind that these are the steps that you and I are to take in our own journey of sanctification. Listen to what Paul says in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me 
heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, one Bible commentator made the statement saying, looking back is sure to end in going back. That's true, isn't it? Looking back is sure to end in going back. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, and he said, Jesus replied saying this, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now the imagery here is, is of a ploughman, of a ploughman who can never plough a straight furrow, and they needed to, but he could never play a, plough a straight furrow if he's constantly looking back over his shoulder. And if you can imagine the ploughman with a horse in front trying to plough, constantly looking over his shoulder, his furrows are going to be like that and he won't see the obstacles that are in front of him. Now, there's no, there's no problem in living, <coughs> pardon me, there's no problem in having healthy thoughts uh, and fond memories of the past. We need to do that. And, there's, and there's, there's no problem with that. It's a good thing to do, to talk about those pleasant things that happened to us, the good things of the past. But here's the problem. The problem is that when you are living in the past, when your heart is in the past, that's the problem. Jesus summed it up pretty well with three words, three words that would have hit hard to the hearers when he said this in Luke 17 and verse, 30, uh, verse 32. He simply said this, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. And they would have gone, oh yeah. We remember what happened to Lot. We remember what happened to Lot's wife. You see, her heart was in the past. Genesis 19 has the whole story. Her heart was in the past. She lived in the past. And she didn't trust God for her future. And a disobedience caused God's judgment to fall on her. And she became a pillar of salt. And Paul says, you need to forget the past. And you need to strain towards, because it is a strain. You need to press on towards the goal, to finish the race and to win the prize. You know, I could still remember as an Army Reserve chaplain, the straining that it was for me. We had to run a 2.4 kilometre track and we had to do that in under 15 minutes. And it was part of a fitness test every year. Now, some of you are probably saying, ah, piece of cake, I could do that. And you probably could. But for me, no, it was hard work. It was a strain. It was painful. Later on, in my more senior, mature years, I did qualify to do the five-kilometre walk, and I had a bit longer to complete that. But I want to tell you, it was still painful, and it was still a strain to do that. But I can remember, I can remember that strain. I, I, I can remember that it was of what it cost it to keep pressing on. And as I neared the finishing line, which I could see, as I neared that finishing line, it was a great big thick black, uh, red, uh, sorry, a white line painted across the road. And I could see that. And so you put in the effort, you can see the goal, you can see that finishing line. And so you strain toward it with everything that you've got. And the joy of finishing that race, the joy of crossing that finishing line, was fantastic the joy and what I tell you honestly yep sometimes the vomiting as well 
The joy was wonderful. No, the vomiting was, wasn't too wonderful. But I finished, and we need to finish. That's what Paul's talking about, straining, pressing on, persevering. And that's what the Christian life, this is what the life of sanctification is all about. Because my dear brothers and sisters, our sanctification journey, this journey that we're on with Jesus, it, it's a marathon run. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon run. It's pressing on, it's straining. It's not a walk in the park. And it's a heavenward run. It's a heaven with a heavenward goal. What's that heavenward goal for you? really the heavenward goal is christ himself isn't it christ himself who came from heaven to be with us who came from heaven to enable and invite us through his cross you and me into his heaven and i tell you what i can't think of a better goal than that can you and then paul continues in verses 15 and 16 where he says all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and if on some point you think differently that too God will make clear to you only let us live up to what we have already attained now let me just say this about what Paul's talking about here with maturity the ones who are mature as Paul would define maturity are the ones who um, are the ones who do those things that he's testifying about from verses 7 to 14 have a look at that later so in other words those who are mature are those who are pressing on along the road of sanctification in christ the bible knowledge commentary also says this one mark of spiritual maturity is a desire to go on you get that is a desire to go on with Christ Paul's appeal here was to maturing believers who shared his ambitions he trusted God to make things clear to those who disagreed with him because I believe that another mark of maturity another mark of those who are mature in Christ is that they are teachable they're teachable they're humble in their own self-estimation and they're ready to learn they're ready to learn and to conform more and more to the image and likeness of christ and can i ask you as you're hearing this do, does that describe your life today is that your desire can i just say never be proud to learn more about jesus from anybody who's speaking the truth about christ it may be someone a lot younger than you don't be proud to listen to what God's saying to you. It might be through a child. But if they're talking about Jesus and they're speaking the truth, listen. Don't be proud to learn. Because maturity is a sign that you are teachable, learning, always learning more about Christ. You see, the immature, on the other hand, are those who are unteachable. And they think that they have attained a standard more superior than anyone else. And the Pharisees, of course, and Paul was once one of them. The Pharisees were exactly like that. They had that mindset. It's no wonder that Jesus rebuked them for it. And he did, as we know. And he made himself he, uh, their enemy. 
because he did tell, you know, basically they were unteachable. How foolish and blind they were to make themselves an enemy of Christ, to be unteachable, to be so proud and arrogant that they're not listening and they didn't see who he was, refused to believe in who Jesus was. To be mature in Christ is also to recognize that in this life we will never have a complete picture or understanding of God's truth. But what we do have, what we have already attained, verse 16, we live by those things. We live up to those things that God by His grace has made known to us. And my dear friends, will make known to us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. You'll be teachable. If you're teachable, then the Spirit of God will teach you. If you're proud and arrogant, pray God will break you because you will need to be broken so that He can teach you and mold you into His likeness and not your own. I mean, for example, just, just think for a moment, most of you, think for a moment of your own growth experiences in your relationship with the Lord Jesus since the day that you came to know Him up until now. Think of the journey you've been on from that day you started with Christ, from that day you got converted with Him, from Him, up until where you are now. The journey that Christ has led you on. And you'll think of some painful times, but think of the growth that came from that. He's got more to go. You're on the road to sanctification. And it's a strain. And it's sometimes it's painful, but it's worth it to be more like Christ. The way of sanctification is the way of growth. It's the way of development. It's the way of pain, as I've said. And maturity in Christ continues to take place day by day. As we st and one day, one day we will step out of this life and that's when I suppose this, the, the, the sanctification ceases when we do step out of this life into the life that he's gone to prepare for those who love him I just want to challenge you again is that where you are today you're on that sanctification road you're journeying with Christ you're listening to him you're persevering with him you're trusting Him. You're completely and totally relying on Him in every step you take. That's what He wants you to do. I love this little poem written by a guy called R. Ellsworth. And it goes like this. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Isn't that fantastic? I've got to read that again. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Hey, make that your prayer today. And this brings me to the third part of Philippians 3. So let me just recap where we've come from and where we're going with this. So verses 1 to 11 again, Paul speaks about regeneration. From verses 12 to 16, Paul speaks about sanctification. And then finally, in verses 17 to 21, Paul speaks about glorification. He says this in verse 17 to 21, 
join together in following my example brothers and sisters and just as you have as a sorry just as you have us as a model keep your eyes on those who live as we do and you know it may sound a little bit egotistical of Paul to say to these new growing believers hey follow my example but I don't see it quite that way I think it's understandable when you remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church for example he said this in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1 it says this Paul says follow my example as I follow the example of Christ there it is there's the standard yes follow my example as I follow Christ that's really the key isn't it and you see only by following Jesus himself does Paul call others to follow his example and you can see here in this scripture it's not just his example but he also says those who live as we do possibly he's having in mind there he's probably thinking of Timothy and and maybe even Epaphroditus I want to thank God myself as I think about this I want to thank God today for the godly men and women that the Lord brought into my life as a young Christian and of whose example of their godliness of their love and their devotion to Christ I was so attracted to they weren't perfect by any means but I was attracted to their genuineness to their love for Christ their devotion to him their perseverance in him and I wanted what they had I wanted that kind of influence in my own life question who might be following your example today it's scary isn't it when you think about that who's watching you who's watching your lifestyle who's looking at you as you live your life for Christ we've heard it said haven't we many times there are really five gospels there's Matthew Mark Luke and John and there's your life and I remember someone saying people will often read that fifth gospel before they look at the other four so who's watching you who's following your example and how do you feel about that it frightens me and I say God help me to be more like you every day of every every step that I take I want to be more like Christ and for the Apostle Paul he had a fear here too he feared that any of his people should be led astray by those who example he saw as being destructive and he calls them enemies of the cross of Christ who as the scripture says these ones who are the enemies of the cross of Christ are the ones who themselves will eventually be destroyed <clears throat> look at these verses verse 18 for as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears he says many live as enemies of the cross of, of, of the cross of Christ let me say that again many live as enemies of the cross of Christ their destiny is destruction their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame their mind is set on earthly things see Paul's instruction here is to keep away from the influence of those whose minds are set on earthly things you can't isolate yourself from people who think that way 
but you need to be careful and strong in Christ yourself. Don't allow those earthly influences influence you. But rather, as Paul taught the Colossian church, he said this, Colossians chapter 3, verse one, uh, verses 2 and 3 says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why is that? He answers in verse 3, well, you died, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The earthly things are dead to you, and you're dead to them, and they're dead to you. Don't set your life on earthly things because you died to that stuff you're going to have a new life your new life is now hidden with Christ in God and do you see that there is such a a clear distinction between earthbound and heaven bound people can you see that there is a huge difference between those who are earthbound and those who are heaven bound people and can I ask you which group do you relate to the most today which group would you identify with the most today? Because you see, Paul then reminds all believers in Christ in verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body." There's the goal that Paul's talking about again. Now, see, back in Paul's day, Roman citizenship was a very sought-after, highly valued possession to have. And now he's saying, but how much more do we need to value and live as true citizens of heaven? Worldly citizenship, no matter what it is or where it is, worldly citizenship will one day die it'll die away as the world as we as the world that we know today will also die away and will cease to exist including all those things in the world diseases yeah viruses even the COVID-19 virus will one day perish and fade away hallelujah and it's just as John spoke about and it's just as John saw in Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 let me encourage you with these words Revelation 21 verse 1 then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea so my dear friends how essential that you have your citizenship sorted out where is your citizenship You see, nothing else really matters when you think about that, does it? Does your citizenship, does your name have have against your name these words, citizenship of heaven? John Smith, citizen of heaven. Mary Smith, citizen of heaven. Your name, citizen of heaven. That's what really matters. Jesus also spoke of this as absolute necessity in comparison to anything else in the world remember what he said to his disciples as i come to a close here soon listen to what he said to his disciples who were so excited about other things happening he said in in luke chapter 10 and verse 20 however he says do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven that's where our true joy is that's what really matters is that you have a citizenship and it's in heaven 
And for those who are citizens of heaven, they, we, eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Albert Barnes brings a great summary to this whole topic that we'll be talking about, or this chapter that we'll be talking about. He says this, It is a glorious truth. For what a sad world would this be, and what a sad prospect would be for the Christian, or before the Christian, if the Saviour were never to come, to raise his people from their graves, and to gather his redeemed to himself. The fact that he will come is identified with all our hopes. It is fitted to cheer us in trial, to guard us in temptation, to make us dead to the world, and to lead us to keep at the eye and the heart turned toward heaven. I love what he says. And my dear brothers and sisters, can I ask you this as we close? What changes need to occur in your life that you may be found faithful to Jesus and not ashamed when he comes again? That each of us on that day, that we might hear the Master's voice say to us on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your Master's happiness let me just pray as we commit ourselves to the Lord Father we thank you for your word we thank you for the things that you've been teaching us we thank you for the amazing gift of regeneration when we put our faith in Christ when we receive him as saviour and Lord we thank you that that incredible event takes place in that we are regenerate we are made new from the time we put our faith in Christ. We thank you and we pray for your grace and your help to, uh, along the journey of sanctification. We thank you that Lord Paul teaches us that we are to forget what lies behind, but to press on, straining ahead with your strength, with your help, with you walking alongside us, indeed running with us this race of perseverance learning and growing and maturing in Christ this whole journey of sanctification Lord help us we pray to not give up but to keep pressing on with you and we thank you that the goal is that glorification when one day we will be like Jesus we will step out of this world into his and be in that place of absolute rest a place of unspeakable majesty and glory of beauty purity and father we thank you for that certain hope that we have for those who put their faith in christ one day we will experience that glorification in that our bodies will be changed to be like his and we will one day leave this earth we will leave the pain we will leave all that's going on all the trials and tribulations and we will rest with christ and be with him forever so we thank you lord you pray we pray you help us to continue to press on in that hope that we have right now and in this life help us to encourage one another we pray in this journey in this thing called sanctification because we do have that goal that certain goal ahead of us and we pray you give us the grace and strength to press on in jesus name we pray these things amen